The Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Pursuit of Podcast, where it's truly not us, it's you. I'm Ryan Buck, Artist Development, New Leonard Media, and with me, as always, is the boss, Mark Wilson, President, New Leonard Media. How are you? Ryan, I am doing great, and would you you believe it? I got another free hat. You did? Yeah. That's way too much about us. Um, Thankfully, today, our guest is Josh Hart, dog saver, candle maker, investor, insurance leader, and co-founder of Riley's Candles. How are you? Hey, I'm fantastic, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, the pleasure is definitely ours. And we we talked a little bit uh, about, you know, before we started uh, about being able to do something like this and it being hopefully easy, uh, you know, parking, you're coming from big cities, you worry about stuff like that. Um, so thank you. And now that we're more social, um, I, I started asking a question recently at the top that I want to kind of keep going with. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, ask this. So let's say you're at um, an engagement. It's a meeting, business, or a social engagement. You know, it's a party. We're doing that now, right? We're, let's say you're at a party and somebody says, and you're not maybe dressed as you are now. So somebody says, what do you do? What's your answer? Yeah. So I say, I'm Josh Hart. I'm the owner of Riley's Candles. And at Riley's Candles, we're not in the candle business. We're in the dog saving business. And we're on a mission to save as many dogs' lives as possible. We do that by using candles as our vessel. And we partner with folks, both commercially and personally, across the United States and beyond to raise money to save dogs that need emergency life-saving surgeries. Well done. Thank you. So that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. And so this generates maybe a semicircle of people around you. What kind of questions typically come up and are they good? Yeah, I typically try to say it as loud as I can to get that circle as big as I can. Oh, okay. So but this I love is that. necessary at a party. It's not just what do you do? You see an opportunity yeah. to be an evangelist. So I've been in sales my entire life and I just, I look at life as a sales game. So if I'm at a party, I'm there to meet people. I'm there to get to know folks, but I'm at the same time, I am there to sell. Riley's is my lifeblood and I'm doing it to save dogs. So yeah. I try to get that circle big. Yes, I do. And a lot of the questions that come up, people are like, you really sell candles for a living? You really save dogs for a living? Um, so th- the basic things that you're doing, they're questioning all of it? Yeah. It's just people are kind of in awe that it's a thing. Yeah. And it's really neat. And a lot of folks know me as insurance. I, I spent two decades in insurance. So a lot of folks are like, you left insurance to sell candles. And we start talking about it more and get more in depth about it. And they realize we're not really selling candles. We're selling a story and we're selling the, that people care about dogs and that people want to make a difference by saving dogs' lives. That's what we're selling. We're using candles as the tool. Yeah. So for me to sit here and tell you I was passionate about the diehard candle industry. Well, yeah, candles were important because Riley. Absolutely. The namesake like candles. Because it's very possible that you could be in the ground beef business or the sock business or the rubber ball business you're if you're my dog. <laughs> I love that, Riley. right? You're so right. So Riley... And I wish there was a big, elaborate, cool story about why candles, how we founded it, et cetera. It came down to, we were in our garage. We lived in Detroit at the time. And Riley had just gotten out of his back surgery and was starting to walk again. And it was just out of the blue. Our neighbors had moved and left a bag of soy wax 
and some fragrances in our garage and said, hey, we don't want these. Just do what you will with them. And then I saw those. I saw some vodka bottles that we cut the top off of to make candle vessels with. And there was an old, uh, one of those deep fryers that you deep fry Thanksgiving turkeys with. Right. I was just putting it all together in my head. And I said, we can make a candle. So we just sat out there fooling around for a day, made some candles. And we're like, we can use these to, uh, to sell and raise money for dogs. And so, because the day before we had met a dog that had to be put down just because the owners couldn't afford it. He could have been saved. And that's heartbreaking. So we made a candle and we sold a candle. And that first rush of selling something is just so exciting. So we ran with that and we started making more and more. And then family, friends, Facebook, it took on a life of its own. We were supplying the neighborhood with candles. And that was the neighborhood supplier. We were the neighborhood supplier. I do wow. candle deals out of the back of my did car. Did you? The first day. one was free. The <laughs> next one, there was a charge, or did you have a business model just right off the bat? Because it sounded like this was a little bit of a surprise. It was a total surprise. Really? And we gave almost all of them away for free off the jump because uh, I was afraid I was going to burn somebody's house down. And then we got good at it and we started charging for it. And it's been a heck of a run. Well, you, you said a lot, and, and there's a really compelling story. Uh, you also had the decision to make with your own dog about a surgery and, and this the, the num- number and it's publicized around ten thousand dollars for surgery newly married and you had to make a decision yeah. and so you you went another way that led to this yeah so it's heartbreaking we came home um after a day of work and dog was pulling himself around the floor he couldn't walk um there was feces all over the floor he was just dragging himself um in tons of pain we didn't know what to do so I'm calling my wife at the time and freaking out. And what do I do? What do I do? And rushed him to our vet. Um, they sent us to an emergency vet. The emergency vet sent us to the neurology center in Commerce Township. And we ended up at 10 o'clock that night. We had to make a decision to put him down or to do attempt a life-saving back surgery. And it was 10 grand. I didn't have a grand to our name at that time. An attempt uh, meaning? They didn't know. It made it, They said it was roughly a coin flip to see if they would be able to save him or not. Um, but it, you know, he, he's our, Riley's our kid. We love our dog. We would do anything for him and we did. And it turned out, um, my Amex did not get declined. Thank goodness. And we went from you there. Had to, yeah, this up is a credit, card credit card debt stuff that, yeah, that we're dealing points with. Out of then. I got a bunch of points there out of it. There you go. There's a little rosy. And uh, it was a corporate credit card that I used. Otherwise it would have got declined. And so I had to explain that to my boss and figure out how we were going to pay that off. But it, that's how we saved them. And we didn't want anybody else to ever be in that position. Right. Yeah. Um, the dog sitting there in my arms, licking my face. He's completely there. His mind's completely good. And the doctor said, you know, it's it's a coin flip, but we think there's a good chance he'll be back to normal. And he was. And then it happened three more times. It did. It did. And um, so time frame wise, yeah. can you walk us through a time frame as it relates to all this? Yeah. So the first one, he was three years old. So it was 10 years ago. Was 2013 was his first surgery. Right. And the second surgery was 2014. And so what happens is he get, he slips discs. So they're herniated discs that then compress his spinal cord and he gets fluid up and down the spinal cord. So if he ever herniated the same disc, there would be nothing they could do. But he's herniated a different one each time. And so each time it's fixable theoretically. Um, and they've been able to fix him every time. And he's 13 and a half years old now. Um, bionic, gets around. Bionic dog. He's a bionic dog. Wow. <laughs> What did you feel was the first official step in making this happen? Do you, do you kind of go back to a bellwether moment where you're like, all right, this is real? 
Yeah. So, you know, it started in 2017 is when we made the first candle. And we had our first party was Kentucky Derby of 2018. And we just sent notes out to our family, our friends, insurance clients, customers, peers. And we had our backyard full of a couple hundred folks, sold out of candles, sold out of all these little doggy bandanas we made. Um, and we raised about $10,000 that we were able to donate for dogs. And we donated every penny we made to dogs. The neurology center would call us up and we got to know him real well. And I said, Josh, we, we have this dog we think we can save. It's strictly a financial issue. And we just would donate whatever we could. And watching that happen and seeing these, you know, the families come and run and give you hugs after their dog is saved, is it's a feeling that it's hard to beat. And so then we knew it was a viable option. And then when COVID hit up here, we were in, had just moved to Traverse City and I'd been doing insurance for a couple of decades. And it really hit me that, you know, life is short. If I'm going to do something and put my mark on this world, this is the time to do it. And stepped out of corporate America, stepped into Riley's full time. And um, it's it's been an amazing ride. Wow. <clears throat> well, well, we'll talk about the ride. You received your BA in insurance and risk management from Olivet Com uh, College. Go Comets. Go Comets. Uh, in activities, I want to I want to walk through this because I'm going to ask you maybe if you worked in a science fiction department in a way because Gamma Iota Sigma, MAPSLO Next Generation, AAMGA UFO, Adelphic Alpha Phi, Omicron Delta Kappa. Was this like the University of Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> I, you, you, I mean, so you were in, you, you, you did a lot, you know, in a short amount of time uh, with what you had. What was kind of the, the dream, the plan and the reality? There's a lot of really smart people in college. There's a lot of really talented people in college. I was a person that was just good at talking to people. <laughs> that was my skill. And I loved it. I loved being involved in everything. So I was in the fraternity. I was in the honor society. Gamma Iota Sigma is an insurance society. Mm -hmm. Played football. I gave the commencement speech. It's just connecting people is what I'm passionate about. And any platform I have to do that, I I'm grateful for that. So being here with, with you both, this is fascinating. Right. I love this. But yeah, college, it was a wild ride. It was a lot of late nights, early mornings. Yeah. You know, it sounds stupid because it's Division Three football, but there's a couple of times where I actually flew in from an event, an insurance event, landed, got in the bus to go play football. So yeah, you get football, to feel way more important than you really are. <laughs> but it was great. Football is a big part of your of your upbringing, your history. And you mentioned you got into the insurance industry and, you know, this came from your dad, right? Was Was your first job, you know, getting coins for taking trash out? Right, you did some office? great research. You did some great research, my friend. Oh, well, I mean, you know, at first jobs, right? Yeah. You think about the impetus. And so your first job, you you say, was taking out trash in his office. And what are things that you remember from that time? Because obviously you are thrusted towards something else. You found this purpose. Was it your dad who taught you things like this? Was there somebody who pointed you this way? Yeah. You know, growing up, I saw my dad playing a lot of golf and eating a lot of nice dinners. And I was like, God, I can do that. Insurance must be pretty cool. I didn't realize it took him 30 years of busting his butt to get to that point. But when I started to work with him and I was in the office every day and I was collecting change and I was taking out the trash, but I was seeing how he was building and how his staff was building these relationships with folks. And when they would have a claim, they would come in and that's it alters their life. And they were able to put their life back together with the insurance, with the claims payments. And that, that's a pretty amazing and powerful thing. 
the insurance industry is an industry that I am very passionate about as well. And it does so much good for the world. It's got a really negative connotation from time to time. Mm-hmm. Right. But right. the claims payments that are made on a day-to-day basis, even in small offices in northern Michigan, and the relationships that the folks have with their clients is yeah. absolutely amazing. So watching him work hard and build those relationships, that's really where I gained my love of making like gaining relationships with folks and building deep relationships. Right. And well, obviously you saw some advantage in that, right? There was a financial advantage of that. You saw that as a but it's clearly you are putting that into play for a greater good now. Yeah, absolutely. And my folks were both very community oriented, very philanthropic. If there was, you know, in high school, we we probably fed an average 10 kids a night between sporting events, et cetera. Our house was just the place where everybody came. My mom would do kids' laundries. My dad would drive kids to and from practice, uh, make sure everybody was everywhere, stay late after practices to make sure that kids got home where they were supposed to get to. You know, we had various friends and just peers living with us from time to time. And it was just something where just the community was so important. Yeah. And I, that was just, that was instilled in me from a very young age. And I will forever be grateful to my folks for that. So on your path, as you, you know, ascended, and I'll say that because you're very, very successful. The, the, the word angel investor is in there, right? So was that sense of needing a community guiding you? Did you pass up any opportunities because you thought that destination wouldn't have that kind of feel? You know, I, I think, I don't want to say I passed up any opportunities. You know, I like in some, big New York or something like that. You know, I, you know? I lived, I've lived in Chicago. I've spent time and a lot of time in LA and London and New York and lived out East in Baltimore in the DC area. And it was always a passion to get back to Northern Michigan. I'm from, I was born in Flint, but I was raised in Gaylord, Michigan. So to be able to come back up north, it was always a big passion. And I have a lot of friends that have stayed in that corporate lifestyle and they're climbing the corporate ladder and very, very successful, doing great, great things. It it simply wasn't for me. I knew after about 10 years of doing it that I always wanted to get back to northern Michigan and start a company and do a lot of good in the world. And to be able to see that come to fruition, it's just been so amazing. 10 years is a long time, though. It is. If you think about it, is that your nature? Like, that's a good... You gave it a try? Yeah. Some people, five years would have been enough to know it's not for them. You know, it, it gave me, it afforded me a lot of advantages with insurance. It allowed me to make a lot of connections and relationships that have really benefited me in this career as well. And it was teaching me so much. I had the ability to get so much amazing corporate education, do different classes at colleges, do different corporate trainings that I would have never been able to do coming back and just starting my own company. Yeah. So for that, I'll always be grateful. And it just, it led to so many connections across the world. You know, some of my best friends work for Lloyd's over in London. Yeah, that's and fascinating. You, you are so somebody great. who's versed in the nuances of the Lloyd's of London market. Yeah. That looks impressive on a computer screen. Or as I read it, I'm like, this is, it's amazing this is something there. here. It's amazing. So I had my first chance to go to Lloyd's when I was a junior in college. I did an internship for a company out of Baltimore, Maryland, All Risks Limited. And part of the internship program was you got to go spend a couple of weeks in Lloyd's. And you're not just like going into the building. You're sitting on the box with the underwriters in Lloyd's. And I mean, the stories are true. They, I won't say they still do. I don't know who's listening. But you go <laughs> and you drink beer at lunch and you build relationships are paramount. So instead of sending an email or making a phone call, you literally go stand in line, stand in the queue. And you queue up and you wait until your underwriter is ready to see you. And you give them that piece of business and you discuss it. And if you're going to lie, you have to lie directly to their face. It's a totally different way of doing business. 
And it's still done that way to this day. And it's it's really fascinating. So to see civilized. It, it is. It's great to see. Wow. And it was an incredible wow. learning experience for me. Well, you you have this sense of purpose. You also, I, I'm very fascinated by individuals like you starting organizations and how much of a statement you want to make. So the homepage of Riley's Candles says, don't let their light go out. It's pretty bold. So when you're starting to look at the look and feel of it, you know, that's something that can start to take away from the mission when marketing starts coming in. So how did you approach a look and feel of Riley's? Because you say you're, you're not the head of the company, so you can, you can talk about the company structure if you want. But how did you approach that? Because it's really, it's, you, you were saying right off the bat, this is us. This is what we do. We care. So should you. So how did you approach that? Yeah. And first of all, like you mentioned, Ryan, it is very much Riley's company. He is the chief Beagle officer. He runs the show. He does everything. Um, I am his faithful servant. And, you know, it's, it's really Riley that drives the passion. I know that sounds cliche and mm -hmm. dumb. But when he goes to the neurology center, he goes and kisses every person that works there. He walks around the place like he's the king of the castle. He goes and checks on all the other dogs that are hooked up to IVs or just got out of <laughs> surgeries. And he's like on a mission to check on every pup there. And it's been that way for 10 years now. And so when we say don't let their light go out, we take that to heart. I mean, this isn't, this isn't just a money thing. This isn't, we're not trying to get rich off this, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to yeah. do that. But it's richness and quality of life. And dogs are so important to folks. And when people lose dogs, especially prematurely for a financial reason, it puts the light out of the dog owner. It puts the light out of the dog owner's family. It hurts their entire community around them. And all this from a dog. And dogs are that powerful. And Riley's that powerful. And so that's how we're, a lot of people donate money. A lot of companies donate money. And that's great. I applaud them for that. But it's really at the core of our business. And that's where the look yeah. and feel of Riley's comes. It's driven by Riley. Wow. Well, looking at it, because, you know, a business is a business, and we, we talk about the nature of nonprofits here a lot. There has to be some kind of money. How did you initially quantify success as, as a business, let's say? Did, how did you talk about that word? Yeah, it's um, especially when you're mission-driven, right? And just like nonprofit or mission-driven for-profit, it is tough. And, you know, just this week, it's Thursday, and we've had, in just from Northern Michigan, we've had 11 requests from dog owners that they have to put their dog down or get surgery. And we're not at a point where we can make 11 donations in a week yet. We would love to be, but we're not there. But we have to take into account, we want to be here for the long haul, and we have to be sustainable. So we do have to look at the bottom lines. We, you know, unfortunately, money is money. And we have to be able to make sure that we're around for the long haul to save as many dogs as we can. And as we grow our profit, we can go, we can save more and more dogs. Mm -hmm. And what we're, we're learning the hard way is that the margin in candles um, isn't as high as some other areas. And the shipping of candles is a very expensive challenge right now. So we're... So once again, the logistics of doing business make it hard to do some good. So hard. So that's, that's a struggle. We str that's something we struggle with every day is what, what's the best way? Um, you know, is do you ever think diversity? about pivoting? Does it, do, I mean, are you at a point where it's about Riley? Yeah. So the product maybe isn't as important. I, although, yeah. you know, I wouldn't suggest maybe getting in the ground beef or sock industry <laughs> like we talked about, but <laughs> is that something that is ever a consideration or 
his his candle is aligned with the brand now and forever? It's almost like I planted that question, Ryan. That's a great one. So we're not going to get away from candles, but we are going to very much diversify. And this is uh, not public information yet, so we're breaking news here. Oh. But uh, no, I'm signing uh, an agreement next week where we're going to be rolling out pet insurance so that not only can we help for the folks that their dog is in that situation, but we can help prevent and educate folks before they get to that point to make sure we just don't want anybody to be sitting there on the floor at the vet's office with the doctor telling them, you need to spend $10,000 or you put your dog down today. Well, you and know. this is what motivated you initially, yeah. is you yeah. being in the veterinary clinic or wherever you were and seeing the people around you. Somebody who cares like you do, do the people who have to make the other decision that you didn't make keep you up at night? Is that the kind of thing that, you know, really does eat at you? It's horrifying. You know, you see the the sons and the daughters and they're bawling their eyes out. Mommy, mommy, save, save our dog, save our dog. And I've heard some people uh, say, like, uh, I'd rather grandma go. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of folks, they're choosing between feeding their family or max and maxing out their credit cards or putting their dog down. And it's it's a heartbreaking to watch. And that just ate it, ate it myself. And I mean, I get emotional just thinking about it. It's that it's that hard. And I know how powerful dogs are in people's lives and just yeah. watching the relationships that folks have with their dog. Family is family and grief is grief, yeah. right? Oh. And it shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't have to be quantified, but sometimes I guess it is. But in getting Riley's candles to this point, yeah. in your past, have you leaned most upon? What skills have you leaned most on? I mean, obviously relationship building, but are there other things? I mean, because this is something that you're kind of traversing new ground in a way. Yeah. So you mentioned angel investing. You mentioned investing in my title. So I've invested in a lot of startup companies, but I'd never started my own company. And I felt I was doing a disservice to the companies that I was investing in because they couldn't lean on me as a resource. I could give them insurance information and be an insurance resource. But as far as starting your company and how to have that startup mentality, and you know, it's a, it's a different breed to start your own company. It really is just the mindset you have to have and the I mean, there's days where you're going to be so high at nine in the morning. It's the best day ever. And by five o'clock, you're ready to jump what off happened? the bridge. What am I doing? Oh. And so to be able to go through that myself and learn and lean on a lot of the companies that I'd actually invested in to help me and answer questions and yeah. do that sort of stuff. So it all goes, it all stems back to relationships for me. The relationships are really what I lean on. But then also there's been such some amazing helpers in the community that have been mentors you know, Josh Kennett, Sunfrog, a lot of, you know, Matt Bullock over at Tentcraft, the guys at Venture North, just so many folks in the community at SCORE, yeah. um, the Office of Possibilities, NMC. If you're, I've learned that if I put myself out there and I'm vulnerable with what I don't know and say I need help, this community is so incredible at helping you and other business owners that have just gone out of their way to say, hey, Josh, have you tried this? Hey, Josh, why don't you try this? And it saves so much time and money and it's, yeah. it's so neat. Well, do you feel like you had a unique advantage? I mean, you literally have the head of your company that you can trundle around, probably not worry that they're going to say the wrong thing in the board <laughs> meeting. I mean, are there disadvantages to having a canine business partner? <laughs> no. Worried about insider trading? Anything? No, no, it's all been great. Every once in a while, he'll take a number two in a boardroom that he's visiting and it turns my face beet red. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I think your only response has to be, well, you're going to have to expect that he's yeah, a dog. Absolutely. But there's a lot of competition yeah. for generosity, right? It's a currency. So is it an easy sell to you? I mean, I, I, 
didn't want to assume so, but every room you walk in, are you guaranteed walking out going, yeah, that went well? No, no, you're not. But I'm okay with that. You know, everybody can't be all things to all people. And in, in giving out a lot of donations and helping a lot of folks, you know, we, we still, we get, we had to make a change to our bylaws because we started getting hit up by so many scam artists. They're sending actual pictures of dogs with broken bones and all this stuff and giving us the sob stories and asking for money. And then they want to go straight to a Venmo. So we had to change everything in our bylaws. Well, we we can only talk to and get, we'll talk to the dog owner and we'll help, you know, console and we'll help coach them. Right. But we'll only give money to the actual hospital or to the surgery center. Learning curve. Yeah. And something you never thought you would have to learn, but we learned. Well, yeah, that's, that's the balance, you know, it's business and and you did move into a retail location. Yeah. You partnered with 20 Fathoms. And what precipitated that? Was it something that you probably could have succeeded? You know, you talked about the backyard full of 300 people. So what was necessary about having a location? You know, for me, I'm a big believer in it. This is just my personal, my personality and it's how I operate. If I'm going to do something and I'm going to see it through, I have to be all in. So for me to be all in, I needed that flagship store. I needed a place where people could come see Riley's candles. We needed a candle studio where we could make candles and show people what it's like to make candles. We needed a spot where people could bring their dogs and take pictures with Riley. We needed that. And so that that was very, very big for us. Yeah. So yeah, we're actually, so we are partnered with 20 Fathoms. We're also partnered with Commonplace for the co-working and we have desks right. in both. But our actual flagship store, it's in Chum's Corners at yes, the Flat Cat Ventures building. And so it's, uh, we take up the retail space there. We hold events there. It's an incredible team to work with. Are there any, and and these are all things that are on the website that can be found easily, rileyscandles.com, right? Rileyscandles.com. We'll talk about that a lot. But these are the events that you're having and things like that. Anybody, can anybody learn how to make a candle? What goes into it? You know, people start to do, you know, like they like to see sommelier things. People like cooking demos. Can people learn a little bit about you know, what goes into it? Yeah, absolutely. And anybody's welcome to come out and see us at any point. We're right. open 11 to 6, Tuesday through Saturday. Right. But yeah, so starting this summer, actually, we're going to roll out. It's going to be like painting with a twist, but we're calling it sip and pour. So it's going to be BYOB, your own beer and wine. And you can come out and you can sit down and you can work with Riley to pick out a fragrance for your candle. And you'll be able to make your own You can work with Riley. You can work right with Riley, yeah. I mean, it, it maybe could sound like a kind of shameless plug to get people in there, but I think enough, like people look into it enough and like, that's something that would be tangible and family friendly too. Fan- completely family awesome. friendly. We, you know, we'll have the Easter bunny out there. We get Santa Claus out there and bring your pets, bring your kids, take pictures or everybody. It's a great place. We have a big table. Everybody can sit at and chat. That's amazing. Um, it's as much of a, so we're partnering with also a lot of local like farms and arts and crafts folks and artists mm-hmm. to display their goods in the store as well. I'm a big believer in folks that have an idea should be able to try that idea out. People can't go sign a three-year lease. People can't go buy a building, but they can take up a shelf in my store and come there and be passionate about it and test out their theory before they go start their own business. So it's kind of what we're working (laughs) to build is build it into an entire ecosystem of entrepreneurs and for the employees, the folks that work with us. If they have ideas, we want to have a mentality where Let's flush out your idea. Let's see if it works while you're here. If it works, we'll invest in you and we'll build help you is build. Is there it. any organization right now that you, you you're using as a precedent for any of this or is this just an amalgamation of partnerships and your experience? 
So I'm a Zingerman's mentality out of Ann Arbor. Okay. They do a phenomenal job where, hey, you think you can make a better bread, Mr. Breadbaker, that has worked for us for a year? Tell you what, you go build it, let us test it, and if it's true, we'll be your lead investor and we'll buy our bread from you. You know, that's that's a belief they have, and that's a belief I have. Mm-hmm. If we can help our people be successful, it's going to just grow everything. It's going to help us help more dogs. It's going to help Traverse City be a more self-sustaining community. Um, it's just a lot of good things can come from yeah. that. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, the the portion of the proceeds go to help fund these surgeries, these necessary surgeries. And I was going to say how how much more difficult is operating this the more success you're getting. And you let us know a little insight to that about getting scams. Anything else that you're starting to go, maybe these are the days that I wish I hadn't been so successful? Yeah. You know, it's it, I, and it's a good problem to have, right? There's more people that are asking for money. There's more people... More vets are learning about us. More surgeons are learning about us. Um, so, so far we've shipped to, we opened our e-commerce store on Halloween of 2022. We've shipped to 46 states, six countries, and three continents Right from tiny Traverse City, Michigan. And so it's, and a lot of people are buying them as gifts, which is fantastic because then more and more people learn about it. So we're getting calls that for people that need help for their pets from all over the country. And it's, it's really, it's amazing. But it's heartbreaking because we just don't have the budget where we can help save them all right now. So we want to continue to grow. We're working on getting our 501c3 because what we found is for a lot of our corporate gifts, mm-hmm. they want to buy candles. Yeah, but they want to buy those mainly at like Christmas time, but they want to build into their budgets, the corporate gift giving. And we don't have an arm to do that right now. So that's where the 501c3 is going to come in. Okay. And we're going to be able to set up more of a foundation type atmosphere and to allow again for just to keep the sustainability to make us practical long-term. Are, do you look at this as, as a business, as a culture? Like, how do you approach the culture? You know, you're yeah. obviously the, the, well, I mean, you're the second in command. Right. But how, how is the culture? How is it to work for, to volunteer? What's important to you when, when you're establishing that? Yeah, so I, I like to look at it as a movement. You know, I'm not a big believer in the separation of, I mean, work-life balance, all that stuff to me is fictional. I think COVID even made that more so. Everything kind of blends together. So for me, it's a movement, right? We're trying to save as many dogs as we can. We're trying to do that through candles, but we're also trying to do that through any way that we can get community, get people involved. What we're selling is a movement and a mission of Riley's Candles. So we're working on building the community. Instead of it being us talking to people, we want to have a community. So instead of the one-to-many conversations where we're just pushing stuff on social media, we want to start having many-to-many conversations where we can get groups of people in Northern Michigan talking to groups of people that are trying to do the same thing in Arizona, trying to do the same thing in California. And, hey, how did you get help to save this dog? How did you use this full body harness for your dog that just had surgery? Right. So we're trying to make it a full on movement, a Riley movement, if you will. Oh, that's great. A Riley. I mean, when, when you think about what it takes to do that, what has been the most surprising advocate that has popped up? Has, has any a person or job or organization popped up that you said, I'm surprised that this was so helpful or that this path was so lucrative for us in any way? You know, I would say I would answer that twofold. So we look at, we do a lot of individual candle sales to, you know, folks that are in the community, folks that see it online. And then we do a lot of corporate sales as well. So business to business sales. On the personal side, we've met just so many amazing people in this community that wear our hats that, hey, you're the candle guy. I saw you on TV. And you know, that's amazing. And people are so passionate about telling the story and sharing pictures of their dogs and that. So it's really been the, just the community in general on that side. 
on the business side, it's been amazing how my relationships from the insurance world have really came so into play. Really? Even some of my most hardcore Are you gonna, competitors- Are about to soften the insurance industry right now? <laughs> I wish I could do that. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> but no, but those relationships, it's it's been amazing. So our first big, when we off the jump, you know, we were struggling, you know, small business starting up, projected to lose money, you know, for the first year roughly is what we projected. Mm-hmm. We were at 13 months for break even. And our first month, we got a massive order. And I'll give a shout out to Derek Shinska at Highland Insurance out of Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And he brought us up to their HR staff for their corporate client gifts for Christmas. Right. And they always give out a lot of these big gift baskets. So what we did is we worked with a woodworker out of the Lansing area. And they made custom carrying cases that hold two Riley's candles and two Traverse City wines. And then some Cherry Republic nuts and cherries. And we sold those and we sold a hundred of them instead of gift baskets. So one of my hardest lessons I've learned in the startup world, you have to have a special license to ship alcohol. Didn't know that. <laughs> so we didn't just sell a hundred of these to one person. We sold them that we would have them delivered individually to each of his clients, right? So we, my dad, my mom and I are loading up U-Hauls full of these with Google addresses, 100 <laughs> Google addresses plugged in, driving all over the Midwest, delivering these things one by one. Oh my goodness. But it was amazing because it was a great marketing experience. You know, we got great, great information out of it. But, you know, it's part of learning, right? right? We didn't know, we didn't know. But those relationships have carried over and we've had yeah. insurance purchases from just everywhere. It's been amazing for us. Can you talk, and I know this is maybe not as exciting a topic for you, but maybe juicy for listeners, is the R&D. Yeah. The creation of candles, the scents, anything that you can share about that you've, you've learned along the way? Because you, you kind of started to do this on your own. I mean, but this is a whole world. There are people who are professional smellers. And so can you talk a little bit about the 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 making of candle? Nothing proprietary, of course, yeah, but yeah. you know, what's, what's the R&D like? What's a day like, a creative day for you? And first of all, I want to give two huge shout outs because when we were getting started, we didn't have the capacity to make enough candles to fulfill. So we needed help in that area. And Evil Queen Candles right here in Traverse City, Ida and her team yeah. were instrumental in helping us supply us with candles. And they've been an amazing partner. And Coyer Candle out of Midland has been an amazing partner for us. Lisa and her team there are just absolutely amazing. So huge shout out to both of them. But yeah, to your point, they're professional scent makers, fragrance makers. You know, there's about a million different kind of, kinds of wax you can use. At all, you'll have to pour it all at different temperatures. Some is more porous than others. Depending which fragrance you're using, it's at which temperature it has to be poured in. You know, the wicks themselves, most of them have wax right on them. So if you pour when it's too hot, you're going to melt the wax right off the wick and then it's and not going to burn. So there's there's a huge learning curve there. And it's been fascinating to go through and learn. But to be honest with a lot of the fragrances, Riley picks them out. And we'll put, you know, 50 samples down on the ground. And the ones that he goes over and smells and starts to get excited about, yeah. those are the first ones. That's how we started making them. And we continue to this day. Uh, and then we get feedback from you know a lot of folks and we, we run with a lot of those fragrances. But what we have learned is that the holiday seasons are huge. So people want okay. Easter smelling candles. People want holiday smelling candles. So that's been a big, we, can't, we come out with a lot of smaller batches for the holidays, which has been a fascinating learning curve. And when you think about other things that you could you know, offer, you, you talked about some the areas of insurance. Are there areas that you would like to expand as far as the retail component, as far as maybe online? Because you said you can do pretty much anything, right? So anybody 
can access Riley's candles? Yeah, for sure. And we're actually, we're partnering with the Sunfrog team right now. So we just rolled out an entire hat line, which Mark is repping over there and looking good. Ooh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, so we, um, we just hot. rolled out the hat line. We're rolling yeah. out a clothing line. So we're going to have t-shirts, sweatshirts, polos. We're rolling out coffee mugs, tumblers, all of that. And then we're going to, we're, we're still in the R&D mode, if you will, for the dog line. So one of our first rollouts we're, we're working on right now, and this is, it's probably about two months away from actually rolling out, but we're going to have matching hoodies for dogs and their humans. So like figure out, like think like ugly sweater party, you, you're going to match your dog. <laughs> yeah. Halloween, you're going to match your dog. That's great. It's awesome. Yeah. And the ones we've tested out so far, everybody loves and it's it, just laugh. It's hilarious. Is that a component of this pursuit that you enjoy? I mean, it sounds like it's a given. But smelling 900 versions of an, an, you know, an elm could be tedious. So how do you stay positive through all that stuff? I tell you what, if you, if you came with me at one donation where you get the little, the sons, the daughters, you know, the parents coming up to you and giving you big hugs and knowing that what you woke up that morning, that morning to do helped save that dog's life and save that family from the heartache and for hopefully enjoy that relationship with their dog for the next five, 10 years. It is so heartwarming and it just, I mean, it'll change your life. Yeah. Does the phrase, it's the way we've always done it, resonate with you? It has, that phrase has pissed me off from the day I started. Really? From, uh, it's my one of my biggest pet peeves. Seriously? Two of them, the way you've, one of them is the way you've always done it. And the other one are gatekeepers. Gatekeepers piss me off to no end. Gatekeepers. So it's the way we've always done it. Why does it bother you so bad? Um, it's twofold. It's because innovation is what makes the world great. Innovation is spurring change is what is going to make this world a lot better place. And so, for example, the office of possibilities, I was just at a meeting this morning at the innovation center at NMC, which if you haven't been there, go check that place out. It's amazing. But the college, the higher education model is still run to this day on the way we've always done it. It's still the full academic year. It's still accreditation. It's still all this stuff. And the whole reason we founded the Office of Possibilities was to flip that on its head and help innovate change and help spur change and have it not be the way that it's always been done. Because the way that it's always been done is broken. It was great when it was founded. And it's this way in a lot of industries. The insurance industry is very much that way as well. You know, it's just the way we always did it. Well, why can't we do pet insurance now? Why can't we evolve the way we look at things? And it's the world is constantly changing and evolving. And that's what innovation is, what is going to make this world a place that's just gets better and better and better instead of that doom and gloom you see on the news every day. And so uh, you said gatekeeping yeah. or gatekeepers. So the thought of gatekeepers or actual gatekeepers? Uh, both. Yes. Oh, okay. But so gatekeeper for me, and I don't mean like the gatekeeper, like the secretary that's sitting at the front of an office. I'm, yeah. I'm talking like when you're trying to start a business. I had to jump through so many hoops that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And then every time I want to go to an event to market my business or do something, you know, you have to pay this $10 fee. You have to fill out this form. You have to go talk to this person and get them to like you before you can be admitted. If, if yeah. this is, if it's a, it's a free enterprise out there, it's capitalism. If you're starting a company and you want to go out and do this and you're willing to go hustle, we need to eliminate the barriers to entry. We need to eliminate the gatekeepers. We need to take these colleges from doing, having, 2% admittance rate based on applications to let's open the doors. Let's let people get in here and experience this. Not everybody's a Harvard. Stop acting like you're a Harvard when you're, yeah. a, you know, 
not. And let's get folks in there. Let's help educate folks. Let's help these folks start businesses. Let's help them go out and start movements or nonprofits or, you know, the next change for the society. And it just, I get really worked up if you can't tell talking yeah. about, but gatekeepers, you know, it's, and I got to be careful what I say, because a lot of folks that I'm very close with sure. are protectors of information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. But it, it's just really but, frustrating. Oh, a lot of, uh, in a, in a community, there's a lot of folks that want to protect their position. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or people, like you said, a free market that, that want to protect their market share. And so it's in their best financial interest, or they may believe that it's in their best financial interest to do whatever they can to box the other guy out. And that's such a scarcity mindset. I, I don't, I, I don't believe in that myself, you know, here uh, with my business, at least if you need content created, I'll tell you how you want to know, I'll give it to you, you know, because no matter what, it's still work. Yes. You know, you may, you may come back around and that was the same at uh, another uh, board that I had served on in the business that we had had that had come out of a board member's mouth, which was like, well, we don't want everybody down, you know, in Manistee to hear about this and start doing it too. And it's like, that's some of that's our family members down there. We want them to do well. Right. You know, what's good for your neighbor is good for the whole neighborhood. Yes. Right. That's so true. I mean, I just, I always give, give the simple response. Have you ever seen a Home Depot without a Lowe's right next to it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's that abundance mindset. If, mm -hmm. if somebody's coming and all the wineries so close together, that's amazing. It's great for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, we need to change the mindset of folks from that scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset. The better one person does is the better for everybody in the community. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm a firm believer in that. So I, I love the, what we just described, Mark. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. For you, why is it so important to move from the back row to the front row? Speaking of that's a great question. Academia. Speaking of yeah, you know, taking I, a chance, taking. I'll give my personal example of this from the, um, the insurance society we mentioned earlier, Gamma Iota Sigma. So their their meetings were every Wednesday morning, and if you were part of the insurance program, you had to go to these meetings. And I went to a small Olivet's a small private school, and Wednesday was the only day that you didn't you had class every Friday, so it wasn't like a typical, you know, state run college. So the big party night was Tuesday. So to have these 8 a.m. meetings for an insurance society at Olivet on a Wednesday morning was hell. It was, an, you know, everybody felt terrible. We had to go there. Everybody acted like they hated it. The, my freshman year, I would go and I would sit in the back row with my head down, my hat on backwards. And I thought it was the worst thing in the world. Fast forward four years later, I was the president of it standing up in the front row. And I would always go all the way back to make sure I was talking to the folks in the back because it had changed my life so substantially. And the relationships and the opportunities, it allowed scholarships to pay for my college for four years by moving from the back row to the front row. It allowed me to work in different countries and travel the world as part of this insurance program while in college. It allowed me to build relationships that I never would have, I never had any business having because CEOs of large insurance corporations would invite us in and say, oh, you're the president of this at Olivet College where they have a top insurance program. You're, I mean, I looked at it like I was a free agent in sports. You know, I got to go around and meet all these CEOs and go to all these boardrooms and do all this stuff that I never would have been able to do otherwise. Right. Because when you're an employee of another firm, they're not going to bring you in and tell you all their stuff. But when they're recruiting you out of college, they are. Right. So just by making that move from the back row to the front row for me in college made all the difference in my life today. And that's fascinating because the idea of, you know, the core skills that you have cultivated to make this happen 
maybe you can't learn in college, right? So do you ever look back and think, had I maybe started this right away and had the confidence in myself to, to start and use my inherent skills, I'd be doing something else? Or is this the path that you needed to be? For me, I needed to take this path. I'm a, I would have always wondered what if, you know, the grass is always greener kind of thing. So I needed to experience that. I needed to experience corporate America. I needed to experience, you know, coming from a dirt road in Northern Michigan, I didn't know what an expense account was. I didn't know Hmm. what a corporate credit card was. I didn't know what made the business world turn. Do you miss any element of that on any day? Uh, Not just when it's hard to pay the bill or pay whatever, if that ever comes up. Yeah. But do you miss any element of that? I miss the people. So I worked with incredible teams. I had incredible, you know, underwriters, people at the companies that I worked with, incredible clients. I miss the people every day. Do I miss anything about day-to-day insurance? I'd be lying if I said that. But I miss I miss the people and I miss the relationships. And, you know, you got to do some amazing things, you know, whether it's going to entertain at a concert or going to these golf outings or going, you know, yeah. whatever. It's You get to do some great things. But that whole time, it's all revolving around relationships. And it just helped you advance that skill, which is a skill that not everybody has or cares to develop. Absolutely. And it, it teaches you also, you know, I, I learned the hard way how to cold call. I learned the hard way how to yeah. walk in and bang on doors. I learned how to dial 500 times in a day with somebody listening on the other end so they can coach you Do you along. think those are, are skills that, you know, one could look at as antiquated, but are going to come back as relevant? And maybe there's going to be something that gets young people into that kind of skill set, like, hey, this is valuable. You know, I, yeah, I think cold calling is still a valuable skill, but I look at it more of a mindset than I do an actual cold yeah, calling. Yeah. It taught me how to not fear talking about what I do and not fearing asking for something. And that served me well, whether it's raising money philanthropically, whether it's angel investing, whether it's trying to get on somebody's, you know, in somebody's office to ask about buying a candle or, hey, look, we've got these five dogs that need to be saved. We need 10 grand to do it. Can you help us? And so that's something I don't think I would have the guts or the know-how to do had I not gone through the, that ringer. Wow. <clears throat> well, what's, what is the best way that people can connect and support? What's next? What do you have going on? You talked about something new that's coming up, but what, what else? What can people be excited about? What are you excited about like right now? I'm super excited that Riley is going to throw out the first pitch at the Pittsburghers game this spring for the dog days of summer. Seriously? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And when, you, when you watch Riley walk, he walks like a 13 and a half year old beagle that's had three back surgeries and been paralyzed four times. He's got this cool little waddle. Yeah. Back legs are nice and stiff. But yeah, nice. so he's going to have a treat at home plate and oh, that's awesome. we're going to see if you'll make it down there. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, that shows, I mean, that's a community that, you know, supports and people will be there and, and be excited about this. And I, I have a final question for you that, that I'd like to ask you if you don't mind. And, and I, I'm really curious about the answer. And I've heard this about being a server, but do you really feel like the world would be a better place if everybody spent two months in a football locker room? It, would it may be, or may not have been said by you. It would be, uh, I mean, yes. Do I you think know, it would be? I, yes, seen, I do think you know, so. The, the Pacino speech in every, any given Sunday, yeah. that's great, but I just assume it's a scary, scary place. It would be a so. much less politically correct society. But uh, but yeah, I, I do think so. And I think the team concept of that is so huge. Um, you know, again, going back to being from a dirt road in northern Michigan, you know, I didn't have the diversity of ethnicities, of inner city folks, of folks that were raised differently than I was. When I went to Gaylord, everybody looked like me, talked like me, lived in a dirt road or in a subdivision like me. 
And so that football locker room, you know, I went and I had thanks. I spent Thanksgivings with teammates in inner city Detroit where I never would have been. And I learned different cultures. I learned different values. And I learned the work ethic. You know, if, if my teammates are going to sacrifice and be there working out at 5 a.m., I'm going to get my ass out of bed and be there at 5 a.m. And so just that concept and that culture has, has served me very well. So, yeah, I think football definitely would change. Fantastic. See, you, you have the, the, the what you do has a softness, but you've got some intensity. Well, any number of years of sales will do that. But, I, uh, I guess it absolutely will. Well, um, is there anything else that you want to share about what's going on with what you've got going on? Again, ways to connect, donate, support. Yeah. And, uh, you know, social media, we're huge on it. We're all okay. over it. So you can go to our website, rileyscandles.com, and you'll see all of our social handles there. We're on there all the time. But yeah, we're, we're at the store, I mean, daily. So we'd love to have you come out. We'd love to meet you, bring your pup, bring your family. And I, I will give a quick shout out. So I was in preparation of this. I was listening to your podcasts. And a couple that were recent that really are folks and organizations near and dear to me. Nick Beetleson at Commonplace is, has become a really close friend, but he's also the one that got me to really think about going full-time into Riley's. It was two years ago after a TC New Tech event, and I had met him there. We got introduced from some folks, and then we had coffee the next day. And he had asked me, he had heard about Riley's Candles and asked me about it, and he looked me like dead ass in the eye with this deep look that only Nick can give. And said, Josh, what would it take for you to go full time into a social impact business with Riley Scandals? And I still to this day give him crap about it. I'm like, why the hell did you do that? And then it was it was in my head and I couldn't stop. So from that, that was two just over two years ago. And so it spurred this whole movement of taking it full time. So Nick's awesome. There's great stuff going on at Commonplace. And then Rotary Charities. You know, Sakura is oh, amazing. Yeah. I'm a big rotary, rotary guy. I go every Wednesday morning. And the stuff that they're doing and the system change event they had and what the grants that they put together and worked with the organizations on in town are just yeah. absolutely amazing. If you haven't checked it out, the system change, go to rotarycharities.com and it's on there, yeah. but near and dear to my heart. So I love what you guys are doing. That is really thank unselfish you so of you to, to take that time to be able to do that. And thank you so much. And to all those who pursue along with you, saving dogs and quite frankly, with that, keeping families together. That's so important. So thank you again for taking time to talk with us. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Mark. Thank you both for what you do. Absolutely. And to our listeners, thank you all for listening and thank you for pursuing the positive. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again on the Pursuit of Podcast, the Pursuit of Riley's Candles, Traverse City, Michigan, Josh Hart. There's a reason why you have that last name. You have a big heart. You're a great guy. We truly appreciate the things that you are doing. Do not let their light go out. Riley'sCandles.com. Check them out today. And as always, for all things audio, video, podcast production related, come see us at newleonard.com.